0: What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos, and you guys can find me on Twitter at Orico99. That's J O E O R R I C O 99 That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to all my shows, different threads that I post out pretty much every single day, other random information. And every now and then I'll share the other odd uh, fantasy creator or uh, someone else who works for Sports Ethos. Sometimes I'll retweet some of their work. So go ahead and hit the follow button there. And while I've got you, it would be really great if you could leave a five-star review on the podcast. I see that some of you have done that, and I really appreciate that. I know that there are some of you who listen to the show every day. And for those of you who haven't done it, I'd really like for you to hit the five-star today doesn't take up any of your time, really, just a couple of seconds. It really helps us out here. So that will be it for the self-promotion. Let's get into the actual games and performances, and I think it only makes sense to start with Shohei Ohtani. I still think he's the best player in baseball. I know I was going on yesterday about how Trey Turner is my favorite fantasy player, but I think as a whole in baseball, if we're just ignoring fantasy, I think Shohei is still the best player, the most valuable player. Yesterday, he really showed us why. He went seven innings. He struck out six, gave up just one earned run, and he also hit a two-run home run, which helped his team break their, what was it, 14-game losing streak? It was a 14-game losing streak. So obviously, Shohei is one of the greatest assets we've seen in fantasy baseball probably ever, especially if you're playing on ESPN and you only have to use one roster spot on him. That is incredibly valuable. He's still valuable on, uh, on Yahoo and other formats, but if you are playing in a format where he is just one player, that's that's crazy, right? Uh, there's not much I can really... I mean, he's, he kind of makes you speechless when you think about it. Uh, he can go out there and dominate both sides of the game. They, If they didn't have Otani, I don't know where they would be. I mean, obviously Trout as well. But Otani, over these last couple of years, even as a morale booster for this team, I don't know where they'd be without him. And. I, I feel really bad for Angel fans and for Trout and for Otani themselves because I think they kind of know in the back of their minds. And it, especially after the way this year started, you were thinking, all right, this is maybe their year. You know, Maybe I'll throw some money on the Angels to win the division, or maybe I'm an Angels fan and I'm just expecting the best out of them. It's been really disappointing. But there are bright lights, and Otani is certainly uh, the brightest. I, I, I know Mike Trout is there, but when you talk about a guy who can go out and Pitch seven innings, and then hit a two-run home run to put your team out front like that. It's, uh, it's hard to say that there's anybody more valuable. As much as I wanted the MVP last year to be Vladdy Jr., uh, it's, it's Shohei. Shohei is ridiculous. If there's any small gripe that I have in his game, it's that his walk percentage has gone down. He was walking 15% of the time last year. He's down to 9% of the time. Now, on the same side, uh, he's also dropped his strikeout percentage. It was 29% last year. Now we were at 25 So a little bit of good, a little bit of bad there. Obviously, it's not going to impact his value in fantasy that much. I'd like him to walk a little bit more. But uh, on the whole, it's not really going to be a massive concern for me. We're talking Shohei here. There's no there's no real worry. I will say this. And I, heard, I forget who it was. There was someone else. Um... Someone in the baseball industry was talking about how when you're setting weekly lineups and Otani is pitching, if you're just looking at the Otani pitcher, it can be a little bit hard to put him in there, especially not knowing what they're going to do with their rotation. They tend to stretch it out to six guys in the rotation because of Otani. They like to give him a little bit of extra rest. So it can be a little bit hard in weekly changes leagues to rely on him if you just have the pitcher form. I will say that. But he is still a valuable asset, massive strikeout numbers. They need to start winning some more games over there in Los Angeles, and then we'll hopefully see Otani win more games than he has. He won four games at this point of the season. Not bad, but we'd like to see him uh, try and hit double digits. I think he topped out at nine victories last year. We'd like to see him hit double digits this year. So it's good, but um, there's definitely a little bit of room for improvement, actually, which is kind of crazy. I mean, on the pitching side, it's pretty much what you would expect from last year. He's done about the same. One thing that does stand out a little bit is that his walk percentage is down, strikeout percentages touch up. So good signs, uh, good signs there. I do worry as the season goes on how much the Angels will use him. And I did worry about this a little bit before the season, that if the Angels aren't being competitive, and we're talking the last month or two of the season, they're not going to be really, you know, trying to kill him out there, trying to send him out there once a week even, I don't think. If we get to the point where they're out of playoff contention, right, I don't see them burning any kind of mileage off of him for no reason. So if they do get to a point where they're out of playoff contention, which I think will happen, uh, we might see his inning use start to slow down a little bit, which is similar to what might we might see with the next guy we're going to talk about here, and that would be Shane McClanahan. So McClanahan – Again, yesterday, with a dominant outing. It honestly might have been his most dominant outing of the season. And in terms of Yahoo Points Leagues, it was the highest scoring game he has had. So it was an eight-inning shutout victory. He gave up two hits, walked one, and struck out nine. Now, with McClanahan, the one thing we worry about a little bit is the innings pitched, like we mentioned there with Otani. So the most innings we've seen from him last season, he threw 123 regular season innings. And I think there was a start in the playoffs there as well. So... Just shy of 130 innings. We are already at 72 for this season. We're a third of the way into the season, and he's already more than half of the pitches he threw last year. Yes, he only started 25 games last year, so he started about half of the games that he did uh, during last season. But he's already well exceeding his innings limit because the Angel – or sorry – The Rays, they don't seem to really care about limiting his pitches. Now, he's not going to 100 so much. He's only hit 100 one time, but he's almost always in the 80s or 90s, almost always going six innings. If you go back, if you take out his first two starts of the season, and I'll just rhyme them off for you here real quick, because the first two starts was four and a third, four and two thirds. And then we've had six, seven, five, five and a third, seven, seven, six, 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 and eight. They are not really trying to limit his pitches. And yeah, he's been so dominant that I'm sure it's hard to take him out of ball games a lot of the time. But it is something that come fantasy playoff time and the lead into fantasy playoffs down the stretch. I'm a little worried that he'll be um, not that he'll miss starts, but that he'll have shorter starts. That he'll maybe just be the rays. The rays already have rewritten the book on how they sh- pitching should work. So if they tinker with McCan- with McCannahan. Mechanics and McClanahan mixed up in my head there. If they tinker with McClanahan and they see, okay, we'll put him in a couple innings here, we'll maybe throw him twice a week and he'll throw three innings both times, space out the innings, pretty much the same innings, but just space it out a little bit more. If they choose to do something like that, or they might even just skip a spot in the rotation, depending on if they have a playoff spot, if they're fighting for it, there's a lot of factors that will be determined by playoff position. And the Razor will be a team who will be fighting for a playoff spot so it would probably lean you towards thinking, okay, they're not going to rest him too much. But I think there will definitely be limiting factors there with the with the innings pitch. He's never thrown even over 100 before last year. Uh, so it's, uh, it's definitely a worry. It's definitely a worry. They're not going to try and burn him out and get him hurt at this age. He's 25 years old. They don't want to have him go down for some stupid injury because they overthrew him. And, you know, I'm thinking that, like, we're not going to see 200 innings. And I was talking about this yesterday. We don't see 200 innings anymore because there's so much worry about risk. And I didn't even mean for this to segue into today a little bit, but it's the same thing, right? You got a guy like McClanahan who we don't really know what he can throw. He's thrown 123. Maybe he can throw 170. Maybe he can throw 210. Uh, Maybe he's already reaching somewhere around a limit at 120. So, it's not really something we can predict without just seeing how it plays out. That's why I wouldn't be so opposed to trading McClanahan for the same reasons. Well, not the same reasons, but in a similar vein of wanting to trade Sandy Alcantara yesterday. I'm not really worried so much about McClanahan's stats, although there are some worrying factors. He's leaving almost 90% of batters on face. That's on base. excuse me. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, the fielding independent pitching is really great. Everything else is really great. It's just he's leaving a lot of batters on. Uh, Babbitt is pretty low as well, 263. So there is a little bit of room for regression there. I still think he'll be great, and he has been – it's hard to say he's not a top-five pitcher in baseball at this point. But between the innings and a little bit of regression incoming, I'm sure, because you don't really see a sub-2 ERA in the major leagues anymore for a starting pitcher. There might be a reliever who can do it, but a sub-2 ERA is very, very rare. I would expect it to end up somewhere closer to that 250 expected mark. And he'll – still obviously be valuable with a 250 ERA. Uh, No shit. But I think that you can maybe, the same way with Alcantara, you can gain a little bit of draft capital or gain a little bit of capital anyway based on where you drafted a guy and what you can get for him right now. Shane McClanahan is the number five ranked player on the season. All players, number five ranked. Similarly to Alcantara, you can write your own ticket with him. You can pretty much say, I want to get back... Jose Ramirez. I want Vladimir Guerrero Jr. A a lot of people will probably jump on it. You know, a lot of people, this is not like... I know there are different levels of fantasy players. Some people spend a lot of time going through projections, and some of you guys will ask me questions and then go and do research and then say, this is what I came back with. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. Some, Some of you guys are really invested in this, and I think part of it comes down to how much money you put into it at the beginning. Some people are just kind of casual fantasy players. And they'll say, oh, okay, McClanahan's the fifth-ranked player. Guerrero is like outside the top 100. Yeah, he's kind of sucked this year. I'll take McClanahan. I'll do that trade 10 times out of 10. Because as much as I like McClanahan, and I think that he is still one of the elite arms in all of Major League Baseball, there are definitely a couple factors, like I mentioned there, that do lead me towards being a bit more cautious than maybe we even should be. Maybe the Rays will say, okay, well, we'll stretch him out. You know, we need to see what his outer limit is. I don't think this is going to happen because this doesn't really happen in baseball. But maybe they'll say, okay, let's give, him, uh, let's give him 200 innings. Let's see how his body can handle it. And maybe we have a 200-inning workhorse on our hands. Now, I doubt that we're going to see that. So that's why I'd probably be – well, maybe not even probably, but I'd be – similarly to Sandy Alcantara from yesterday. If you didn't hear the show yesterday, go back and listen to what I had to say about Sandy Alcantara because it's kind of similar – Different reasons for than McClanahan, but similar um, similar sentiment here. If you can trade them for first round value players, guys who went in that first round for your Freddie Freeman's, your Bryce Harper's, your Vladdies your Bows, your Juan Soto's, your Jose Ramirez's. If you can trade them for those kind of players, then I am absolutely all for it. Now, there's a couple of guys who went in the first round who you might not want to be trading for. One of them would probably be Garrett Cole not that he has been terrible or anything but he has been a little bit up and down and he's not the Garrett Cole that we have seen necessarily in years past in his Houston years we were accustomed to a mid 2s kind of ERA now we've kind of seen him over 3 still in the low 3s and still like beyond elite strikeout numbers and a great whip but he is also prone to getting hit around a little bit and we saw that last night he gave up 5 home runs in his no decision against the twins he's lucky to get a no decision really the Yankees did come back and win this game, but he went two and a third. He gave up five home runs, and it was three in a row at one point to Luis Arias, who if you guys know Luis Arias and you know his player profile and you saw the home run he hit, you're thinking, what the hell just happened here? Because this guy does not have any power. He's a phenomenal contact hitter. He, like, he has the potential to hit like 330 in a season. But he hit a bomb. I don't know the exact numbers on it, but I think it was like four thirty, four forty, or something crazy like that. And then Buxton hit one the next, I don't know if it was the next pitch or not, next batter. And it was like, it looked like it had the upper deck potential there. I think it was one deck below the top deck there. But then Carlos Correa right after another one, another bomb. We go ahead to the next inning, and then it's a three-run bomb by Buxton. And then Trevor Larnik hit a home run. Not good. Uh, it's definitely not great. But at the same time, we're talking about Garrett Cole here. So while he's not someone who I'm going to be interested in acquiring right now, per se, I mean, there was a point earlier in the season where he was a a great buy-low candidate. There was a couple of early starts where we were like, "Uh, I don't know about Garrett Cole. He's still still a great pitcher. He's still a top-five pitcher in baseball, if we're being completely honest with ourselves. Now, of those guys who are in that top category – He's prone to get hit around probably more so than the other ones. If you're looking at, I know he's injured, but let's just throw DeGrom into that mix because he is one of the best pitchers in baseball. If you're talking about him, uh, Corbin Burns, although Corbin Burns has had a couple of rough outings himself recently, so maybe he's not the best example, but like a Max Scherzer or a Kershaw, those kind of guys in that top category, it feels like Cole gets hit around more than the other guys who are there. He's still in the lead arm. But this is the last year. This season, we're never going to see him go in the first round of fantasy drafts again. There are just too many other great options pushing up the board in baseball, that it's not going to be worth it to take a shot on him going forward. Like A guy like McClanahan would definitely be ahead of him in a redraft format right now. Sandy Alcantara, although I do think there is some regression in coming with Alcantara, he would go ahead of him. Hard to say Joe Musgrove wouldn't. Hard to say that Alec Manoa wouldn't. Uh, Tariq Skubal, or maybe pushing it a little bit, but uh, we'll see how the rest of the season goes on. It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Max Freed, Logan Gilbert. There are a lot of guys who are probably going to be in a more of an inner circle of trust, fantasy wise, next season, as opposed to your Garrett Cole. So uh, to your Garrett Cole, as if I was about to say like plural Garrett Coles there. Uh, Garrett Cole, I don't think, is going to have too many more great fantasy seasons. We're still going to have, a, the next couple of years, he'll still be, obviously, an arm that you're going to want to have. Not that he's going to be, I don't think, anyway, one of those top two or three pitchers in baseball. He's already 31 years old. We'll probably start to see a bit of a dip over the next couple of years in velocity and strikeouts. I think he's still great, but uh, there are outings like this that happen throughout the throughout the season that are maybe happening a little too often for me. And I'm overall, I wouldn't say out on him, but definitely not, not a big Garrett Cole guy at the moment. I I know some people, especially Yankee fans are very protective of their guys. And he had a couple of good outings before coming into this one. I just see him as being a little bit more of a wild card. Now, I shouldn't have really done this, but I skipped Miles Michaelis before when I was talking about McClanahan, and really I did him a disservice by doing that because he should have been mentioned uh, like in the same breath because of yesterday's performance there. They were actually going up against each other, and Michaelis was just about as good as McClanahan was. He went eight innings, nine strikeouts, two earned runs. He gave up three hits. They were the top two scoring Yahoo players yesterday, McClanahan and Michaelis. Michaelis uh, coming in at number two behind McClanahan, and a big part of it was the points you get for a victory there. But Michaelis, man, Michaelis has been really surprising to me. So he's someone that I thought by this point eh, might be a waiver-wire guy. I wasn't sure we'd see value for this long with him. We've never really seen him have any kind of fantasy relevance. Uh, 2018, sorry. 2018, he did have a fantasy relevant season. Other than that, he's been a very mediocre pitcher, pitching to a career mark of actually just below – it's a 374, thanks in large part to that season – in 18 and what he's done to this point in this season other than that we're looking at a guy who is like a four type era even maybe a little bit higher than that he doesn't strike out a crazy amount of guys 20 percent walks are pretty good only five percent actually they're very good at only five percent other than that i i think it's it's tough to really gauge what we're going to get out of him The numbers that I really like to look at for luck of a pitcher, batting average on balls in play and left on base percentage, 265 batting average on balls in play. It could be a little bit higher. His career mark is only 285, but it could be a little bit higher. He's also leaving 78% of batters on, or runners on base, I should say, compared to his 73 mark, and typically, like you guys know, about 70% for the league at left on base. So when you're leaving that many guys on base, you think it's a little bit lucky. There's going to be some... Here it comes again, guys. Ready? Some regression. I don't know that I'm going to be totally sold on Michaelis, and he's probably someone else who is a decent sell candidate at this point. You're obviously not going to get the kind of return that you'd get for those other guys we've mentioned, like your, your uh, McClanahan's and your Sandy Alcantara's. But Michaelis is, in terms of rankings at the season, 119. If you can trade him for somebody who is ranked inside of the top 100 or so, and who is going to give you that kind of value you're more sure of than a guy like Michaelis. Like, not, don't trade him for Martin Perez or something, you know? Someone that we're also kind of sold, on, or not really sold on at this point. You're going to want to be trading him for someone who is more established, someone that we know can give you somewhere inside the top 100. So if I'm looking for specific names here, because uh, I know some of you guys do like to hear specific names when I do make a point like that. You should trade the guy. Who should I trade him for? Well, if there's someone who is... Probably secured top 100 value. So, Jock Peterson, I think he's probably going to be inside that top 100 somewhere. I think he's a good um, a good place to start. And Eugenio Suarez has been a very surprisingly good player this season. I think that he'll keep it up. I think he's a good target if you're trying to trade Michaelis. Like I said in the past, it's good to trade pitcher for batter or batter for pitcher. It muddies the waters a little bit in terms of the value, especially in terms of how your opponent will see it. Because once you're proposing a trade to somebody, you've had more time to go over it. You will almost undoubtedly go over it more than the person receiving the offer, depending on who it is. But you'll probably have more time with these numbers, with these players. And that will give you more time to try and figure out a value across positions like that. So if you're trading Michaelis straight up for another pitcher, so who's another pitcher in that same kind of range to this point? Uh, like a Nathan Ivaldi. You're not going to be able to get a guy like Ivaldi probably back in a trade like that. Uh, who else is close to him here? Jordan Romano, value-wise, total ranking. Romano is 112. Michaelis is 119. You're not going to be able to get Romano from Michaelis. If you can, then I commend you. But I don't think you'll be able to do something like that. So that's why when you trade a position player for a pitcher or vice versa, it tends to have a better chance of being accepted just because it's harder to gauge the value. It's harder for them to say... It's harder for it to be dismissed out of hand, I should say. Uh, It's – I don't know. I've found in my history of making trades in fantasy across different sports, if you're trading different position for different position, it tends to have a better chance of being accepted. Let's move on now. Why don't we talk a little bit about Josh Naylor? Because I feel like the fantasy community has given up on Josh Naylor a little bit too soon here. So he hit a home run last night. He was one for five, and he has – You know, he's been pretty solid the whole year. I know he's missed a bit of time, but the overall numbers look like this. He has 17 runs, 7 homers, 30 RBIs. He's batting 276. I think that that's still pretty serviceable. He's got eligibility at first and in the outfield. He's currently the 227th ranked player on a total basis, but he has missed some time. If you go per game, he's 82nd. 82nd on a per-game basis. And I don't tend to look at per game so much in baseball, specifically because if you're looking right now, okay, he's averaging 0.20 home runs, 0.86 RBIs. It's kind, of, it's kind of an annoying way to play fantasy. But if you're just looking at that number, 82nd on a per-game basis, that's fantastic. If he can keep that up, then that's totally serviceable. He's 40% owned on Yahoo, I think 37 on ESPN. He's someone who I find can be very valuable as a fantasy asset this season. I have him in one league, and he's been a pretty good boost to my batting average in a year where the league as a whole is not hitting very well. He's been a decent source of home runs, and we know he was a former top prospect, so we can, we don't really know exactly how good he can be. I think that he's still someone who should be rostered. Not to mention he's in that Oakland, or sorry, Oakland. He's in that Indians, or I did it, guys. I slipped up and said Indians. He's in that Guardians lineup that is actually fairly solid on the offensive end. So they're eighth in runs, they're seventh in hits, they're ninth in batting average, They don't hit a lot of home runs, but they do put the ball in play a lot, and a guy like him, like Naylor, will have a lot of opportunities for RBIs and to clean up messes there. So I like Josh Naylor. I think that he should be rostered a little bit more than he is currently, and another one of his teammates I'll talk about here quickly as well, and I'm sure you all remember back at the beginning of the season, Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan is down to 18% rostered, and I think it's honestly a little bit too low. I know he only has eligibility in the outfield, and he's probably more of a deeper league guy, but I think that he can be a pretty decent asset here. So he's given you three stolen bases over the last couple weeks. That's pretty good. He was a decent steals guy in the minor leagues, never massive, but he did have as many as 11 in 2019. If he can give you something like that, you'll take that happily. If he can keep up the batting average, which he always has been able to do, he's a career over 300 hitter in the minor leagues, if he can give you somewhere in that range of 270 to 280, then that's that's pretty solid, right? Batting average is kind of hard to come by on the waiver wire. His OBP, if you are in an OBP league, currently it's at 370, and it's the lowest we've seen in him at a professional level, other than sorry, his 2019 season. Uh, he had a what was it, 353 OBP. He is an elite. He's an an elite player in that category, and it comes off of the 12% walk number and the comically low 7% strikeout number. Now, I don't think he's a must-roster player or anything, but I think certainly in deeper leagues, certainly in five outfield formats, in OBP leagues and in points leagues, I think that he can really be a valuable asset. That is, everybody's kind of just moved on from him. And I think part of it might be the fact that he was hurt for a little while, he missed some time. He's bounced around in the lineup a little bit. He can go anywhere from nine eight up to one two area so i understand people moving on from him but i don't think that it's a must he's a must cut kind of guy and i know a lot of people have moved on over the last week he's provided value inside the top 150 he's batting seven for 17 couple of steals i like what i like what he's been able to give there's a points league that i'm in which is a bit of a deeper points league it's a 14 team points league with like i think 28 roster slots There's a lot of guys in that league who are rostered, but he is someone that I've held on to since, like, the second or third day of the season. And, yes, there was a bit of a rough patch there, but overall, I'm very happy with rostering him. I think that he's a fine player to have in that kind of a deeper points format. You're not going to get a hard time for me about keeping him there. That will cover it for yesterday's guys that I wanted to talk about. There's a couple of pitchers who will be coming back over the weekend who I did want to touch on. So, Clayton Kershaw and Shane Baz. There's been a bit of a mixed communication from the Dodgers about which day we're going to be getting Kershaw. At first they said Saturday, now they've said Sunday. I think it's probably going to be Sunday, but either or, we're getting Kershaw back this weekend, which is fantastic. He's someone you're going to want to put right back into your lineups in most cases. I don't think it needs to be done in every single case. If he comes back on the Sunday and your categories are all pretty much worked out and you don't really need to worry so much, I don't know that you need to drop a guy just to put Kershaw back in there if you've already figured out your week. Just because it's Clayton Kershaw, and we have to start Clayton Kershaw because he's admittedly probably the greatest left-handed pitcher we've ever seen, that doesn't make him a must-start in every single situation here. So because it's a Sunday, I would advise a little bit of caution. I would see where you stand in your week. If you're in a points league, if you're maybe a couple points behind, sure, absolutely. In in pretty much any points format, I would say you're going to be starting him. If you're in a category league – Your ERA is kind of iffy. You're close with the guy. He doesn't have the easiest matchup here. He is facing the Giants. They're not a great team. They're not a terrible team. I think that overall, it's probably safe to start him, but I don't think anybody is must-start on the weekend. Depending on the category, I don't think really anybody is must-start. Obviously, there's some guys who you're going to start regardless, and it's more so in terms of pitching that this matters uh, in the batting lineup. You're pretty much starting everybody every day, uh, unless there's matchups that you don't like in particular. But you're not just going to sit a guy and leave an empty spot on your lineup. You would do that in the pitching rotation, but you wouldn't really do that in your lineup. So that's where I differentiate there a little bit. If you just need a win on Sunday, if you're heading uh, neck and neck and wins, ERA's already locked up, then by all means, start Kershaw. But I don't think that it is a necessary thing in all cases. Uh, Shane Baz is someone who I would also probably give a little bit more time for that same reason. I'm not sure which day Shane is going to be starting. Uh, I think it's going to be Sunday, because they've announced uh, Rasmussen for uh, Rasmussen's today for the Rays. Tomorrow? Oh no, it's tomorrow. It's actually tomorrow. So, I think that honestly, you should probably leave him down on the bench. I don't think, I don't know that you need to risk it for the same reasons as Kershaw. Uh, I'm, uh, the Twins are okay. The Twins are actually pretty decent offensively. Uh, just the first start of the season for him. I don't know that we're going to get any more than maybe four innings. Absolute best-case scenario would be five, but it's the Rays. We don't know what they're going to do with pitching at the best of times. I would be, I would be leaning towards sitting him down uh, personally. Those two guys have been – especially Baz. Baz is someone I drafted quite a bit in the preseason. I've been very excited to see him come back because last year we saw him be fantastic in his very brief time in the major leagues last year. He threw, what was it last year, 13 in the third innings. He won two games, 18 strikeouts, 2.03 ERA. I'm very excited. I'm sure that Ray's fans are excited, and I'm sure that Pirates fans will want nothing to do with watching any of this. If you are a Pirates fan, you know exactly what I mean there. Let's talk about a couple of matchups today that I'm really going to be keeping my eyes on, and there's one that's going to be starting pretty soon. It might have already started by the time you guys hear this. It really depends. Uh, So, Martin Perez and Lucas Giolito. This is 2.10 p.m. Eastern time. Giolito, we are solid must-start here. Both of them are must-starts, to be honest with you. But Giolito, he's got a great matchup against this Rangers offense, which is really not get much together most of the time. 19th in runs, 21st in hits, 23rd in batting average, 28th in on-base percentage. They're not someone that you really have to worry about too much. They're decent with the long ball. Other than that, I think this is a great matchup for Giolito. It should be a fun one. Martin Perez on the other side. I'm still of the opinion that he may have possibly sold his soul for this season. Uh, similarly to, for those Blues fans out there, Robert Johnson down at the Crossroads. I don't know how many of you guys will get that reference, but maybe you will if you guys were fans of uh, Eric Clapton and Cream and the song Crossroads. Look up the history behind it. I think there's a decent chance that Martin Perez uh, is one of those people who went down and sold his soul. So he's pitched in 69 innings this season, given up one home run. He has pitched to a 1.56 ERA. Only a 4-2 record because of how poor the Rangers are in general. But he has been uh, – he's a leading Cy Young candidate. I mean, <laughs> he might be anyway. hes uh, Is he leading the uh, American League in ERA now after, after what happened yesterday? Uh, he is. He is number one in the American League. And actually, I think he's number one in all of Major League Baseball. He is. He's a couple ticks ahead of Tony Gonslin for the number one ERA across the whole league. So you're going to be starting him here. It's a good matchup against the White Sox team that his – again, they should be a lot better than this, but what we've seen to this point is they're 27th in runs. They're 17th in average, 27th in on-base percentage, 25th in slugging, 24th in home runs. They're really a poor offense this season, and they really shouldn't be this bad, but they have been. So this will be definitely a fun one for me to watch, Perez and Giolito. Once I'm finished recording this, we're going to pop it up there, watch a little bit of that one. And then, actually, I should pipe this up a little bit while you guys are still in the middle of the show here. 3 o'clock today, 3 o'clock Eastern time, I'm going to be on the Palazzo podcast with, of course, the great Michael Govier, who was here a couple days ago. What did we have him on, Tuesday? I think we had him here on Tuesday. I'm going to be returning the favor, going over there. We're going to be chatting about some baseball stuff, some non-baseball stuff. I'm not really sure what Michael has planned, but uh, I will be live, flying by the seat of my pants. No editing necessary, or no editing uh, possible, so you guys will get to see me probably screwing up quite a little bit. Uh, it's possible. I'll have my uh, my pages open, my Statcast, and my Pitcher List, and my Baseball Savant, and everything else. Uh, shout out Nick Pollock, by the way, for Pitcher List. Pitcher List is so it's just a great website to really to dive into players, specifically pitching. Uh, the called strikes plus wisp number is something that I really look at a lot. I don't talk about it so much, but it's a number that I really look at a lot. And that is something that Nick came up with uh, at, over at Pitcher List. So if you're not familiar with the Pitcherlist List graphs, go over there, check out any individual player or leaderboards they got. There's a lot of great stuff to be had over there. Anyway, that was kind of just like a tangent I went off on there. Uh, if I'm going back to today's games and looking over the matchups, there's nothing that really interests me so much. I'm kind of interested in Kyle Freeland and Mackenzie Gore. Uh, when, when Freeland gets away from Coors Field, he's typically a lot more valuable I think that it's a decent streaming option, not a great one. It's not really a recommended one. And Mackenzie Gore, I just, I just love what we've seen from this guy to this point. He's coming off of a six-inning game where he struck out ten against Milwaukee on the road. I'm really interested to see what we can get out of him here. Uh, a couple of great starts in a row, actually, going back to the Pittsburgh one where he went seven shutout innings, striking out nine. Really great stuff that we've seen out of him. I'm thinking we're gonna keep it. Uh, see it keep going here against the Rockies, but uh, I'm gonna be watching just to, just to see. Let's talk now waiver wire. Let's go over a couple of guys who have been added and dropped today and my recommendations on them. So Diego Castillo has picked up a couple of saves recently for the Mariners. Hard to say exactly if he will be the closer long-term. He still has a 5.57 ERA to this point in the season, despite having a good couple of weeks. Over the last month, so 10 innings pitched, 174 ERA whole season, 21 innings, 557 ERA. just shows you how horrible those first few starts were for him. I think he's a good short-term guy for saves. Uh, obviously, the the duration of his stay on your roster at this point will probably be unknown. But, you know, he showed us at points last year he can be a very valuable, high-leverage reliever. He had 16 saves and five wins. Uh, he was traded midseason from Tampa to Seattle, which kind of broke my heart, owning him uh, last year in a couple of leagues. He went from a closer role to a non-closer role, which was kind of annoying. But I think for right now, he's a solid short-term add for, for saves, at least for this weekend. If you need a save or two this weekend, I think that he can probably be a decent add. Although at the same time, we don't really know. Could be Paul Sewell in the ninth inning again. So it's, it's kind of a wild card, but I think he's a decent add. He is the most added player today in Yahoo formats. Spencer Strider has also been added quite a bit. I like him a lot for this matchup here against Pittsburgh. I think that he is someone who should be added in pretty much all formats. Granted, we are heading into the weekend now, and you guys probably have an idea of where your categories lie if you've got a low ERA for the week and you need some wins, whatever the situation may be. There's so many different scenarios. Overall, Strider's going to be a big asset to your strikeouts. Should have a decent chance of getting you a win going up against Pittsburgh. I think. Now, Jason Adam is also being added quite a bit, the relief pitcher for the Rays, and he has been one of the most dominant ratio guys that you could have rostered to this point in the season. 0.72 ERA, 0.64 whip, to go along with a couple of saves, including one last night. Andrew Kittredge is going to be missing, I believe they said a month. He has to have something removed from his elbow, so he's going to be gone at, at least a month. So Adam is a decent play here to add for saves in the short term, but you also have to remember that the Rays use a lot of different relievers, I think there's four different relievers, or maybe even five. No, I think it's four relievers who have three saves so far for them. Maybe it's it's definitely – let me take a look here real quick, actually. So, Rays saves. We have five from Kitteridge, three from – I think it's Poach. I think it's Colin Poach, but uh, you guys know that I can't pronounce names for the life of me. Thompson has three. Rayleigh has three. There's a, Adam has two. Matt Whistler, or Wise – I think it's Whistler. He has one. They're kind of all over the place with their saves. So you got a limited ads left for the week. You save in one. You don't know who to pick up. I don't know that I would use it on him because it's kind of an iffy one if he's going to get you a save or not. He'll probably be able to go out there and give you a good inning or two with some decent ratios, good strikeout numbers. I don't know that he's going to be able to give you a save. So if you're going for that category specifically, I don't know about for this week. I think that he is a decent ad over the next month or so just to help you out with those ratios, get you the, the odd win, maybe the odd save. I don't think he's a massive priority for me, though, just because, like I said, the Rays use so many different bullpen arms. Gabriel Moreno also being added quite a bit. He's up to 19% rostered now. He should be added. Like I said yesterday, he's going to probably fill in for Danny Jansen. He's going to have that role playing probably four times a week. That would be the number that I would guess. Might be three some weeks, might be five. Might even be six some weeks, depending on how they use the DH and Alejandro Kirk. I think that he's a strong add in pretty much all. All formats, uh, specifically two catcher formats. You're adding him immediately. I hope you did it yesterday, or the day before. If you're in a shallow league with one catcher, maybe you don't. But he's there's not a lot of catchers that are really viable, so maybe you will. Uh, it really depends on who you have, who you begin red of. MJ Melendez also been added quite a bit. He hit a home run yesterday. He's up to five dingers, guys. He is speaking of catchers. Uh, he is someone who has made the position a lot deeper this season. Not a lot deeper, but one person deeper, which does go a long way in terms of catching. There's really not a lot of great options there. He is someone who I think should be rostered in all leagues just because of his production. Granted, not on a great team, but he has still been able to produce great numbers. And plus, like we said, the catcher slot, very hard to find value. So go ahead and add Melendez. If you haven't already, he is 39% rostered on Yahoo at the time I am recording this. Guys, I will let you go for the day. Not much else that I think we need to discuss right now. We will get into more stuff on Twitter and on my article, which will come out on the weekend. Should come out Sunday. We'll talk about some two-start pitchers. There's a couple other things we will talk about. There's a couple teams who play eight games next week, and we will get into that as well. I'm going to be on the Palazzo podcast, like I said, at 3 o'clock today, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Eastern daylight. I think we're in the daylight time now. Yeah. Hopefully they get rid of that soon because it's kind of weird. But anyway, 3 o'clock. If you're in the West Coast, it'll be noon for you guys. You can find it on YouTube. Later on, it'll be on Apple and Spotify and Google and all those other great places. You guys are going to want to be there because there's a decent chance I'm going to say something stupid live on the air. You guys have never seen me live before. I want to see all of you guys who listen to this show go over there and listen to the Palazzo podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Join their Discord. You guys will have links to their Discord if you go there. And it should be a fun hour talking with Michael, who's one of the nicest guys that I've probably ever come across honestly michael great guy we're going to be talking some baseball stuff some i don't really know what he has planned honestly i'm a little nervous uh we'll see exactly what he wants to get into i'm game for anything really maybe we'll talk some canadian stuff who the hell knows what he wants to do whatever it is you guys should be there at 3 p.m eastern time today it will be a lot of fun so guys thank you so much for being here with us we'll see you again if you're not there with us uh, in a couple hours then we'll see you back here on monday i wish everybody success in their head-to-head leagues this weekend <laughs> And any leagues really but I mean you know what I mean head-to-head leagues this weekend that's enough out of me guys we'll see you on Monday cheers